Dragnet. The Jack Benny Program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. We offer you Escape. Follow Miss Brooks. Suspense. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Fibber McGee and Molly. The Great Gildersleeve. Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? WGN Radio Theater. The special three-hour presentation with Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, about six minutes after 11 p.m. here on the WGN Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. It is program 411 in the series. It's August 10th, and to my right is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. What's going on? And she flew her spaceship here. Yes, because we have a sci-fi night. What comedy engines are on that spaceship that you fly around in? What comedy engines? How many engines? Oh, <laughs> like what does that mean? How many engines? Oh, I don't know. I don't really have. You never need counted. To worry about that stuff. Yeah, look who's in the booth for us, Ben Anderson. Hey, Ben. What's Hi, up, guys. Ben? He's uh, producing our show tonight, and it's a sci-fi weekend. We're going to start things off with suspense, starring Jack Benny. He plays yeah. a Martian on this show. Interesting yeah. combo there. From your planet, Mars. That's right. That's and then right. Dimension X from 1950 and then X-1. It's all brought to you by Cat's Pride and their game... Is is it real or is it ridiculous? Which we're going to play right now. We sure are. The celebrity for our one is Fred Rogers, or Mr. Rogers, as we all know him. Okay. And we're going to be giving away a desktop indoor weather station brought to you by American Weathermakers. And what caller would you like? I love my weather station. We're going to go with caller number four. You can call right now, 312-981-7200. Call now, and we'll be right back. Come on, baby. Let's get ridiculous. And we have Chris on the phone to play the game with us. Hey, Chris. Where's Chris? Oh, hi, Chris. How are you? Great. How are you? Great. Glad you made it through. You were caller number four, and we're going to play a little Real or Ridiculous with Fred Rogers. You ready to go? Hi, Chris. Okay, let's do this. All right, terrific. Number one. Um, The mailman on Mr. Rogers was named Fred McFeely Rogers after Mr. Rogers. So I'm, what, Carl's looking at me like I'm crazy. So what I'm saying is Mr. Rogers' middle name was McFeely. So they named the mailman Fred McFeely Rogers on the show. Is that real or ridiculous? I think that's ridiculous. I actually think it's real. It's real. Yeah. His name oh, was really? Fred McFeely Rogers. Just, that's for me. I'm glad and that's not your middle name, Carl. this one is for Chris. <laughs> All right. All right, number two. The real reason Mr. Rogers wore sneakers on the show was because he needed to wear orthotics in his shoes. Is that real or ridiculous? Uh, I think that's ridiculous. 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 (laughs) All right, we got that right. That might be why I wear (laughs) much. Number three, the only time he appeared on television as someone other than himself was when he played a preacher on an episode of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Is that real or ridiculous? I think that might be real. Sounds real. It's real. Yeah. You got it. It's absolutely real. 
See, so easy. We are so happy to give you the desktop indoor weather station. It's brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 60-Minute Men. You can visit AmericanWeathermakers.com. I love my weather maker. I hope that, well, it's really a weather station, but it tells you all the weather, and I hope you love yours, too. And you know, Chris, you know what uh, Lisa wears in her shoes? Odor eaters. Odor eaters. <laughs> the joke just didn't work. Huh? <laughs> it didn't work. But hey, I do have hang my on a second. Odor eaters. There you we go. You know what? Third time's a charm, right, Chris? <laughs> it's a lot of. There's a lot of buttons. There's a lot of buttons here, Chris. You got to give it a pause. You know, before yeah. the punchline. Wait, time. let's try it again. Okay. Odor eaters. There we go. There now we go. it's Perfect. funny. Okay. <laughs> thank you for calling, Chris. You did a great job. <laughs> thank you. Thank Take you. Care. All right. So uh, we have a text in line. Yes. 312-981-7200. We'll be here till 2 o'clock in the morning with a sci-fi weekend. We have uh, three half-hour sci-fi shows for you tonight. And then tomorrow, it's the day the Earth stood still. Hour-long radio adaptation of the film on the Lux Radio Theater, starring Michael Rennie, who starred in the film. So uh, that's that's tomorrow night. So it's a whole sci-fi weekend, and uh, we have Ben Anderson as our producer tonight, Yay. and he's uh, always doing a great job. Um, we're going to start things off now, though, with suspense. Now, this is a, it was interesting. Suspense, in the 1950s, they would often cast comedians in dramatic roles. This was like kind of the way they like to do things on Suspense. Elliot Lewis really kind of started doing that as the producer because he was sort of a comedian. He was, you know, Frankie Remley on Phil Harris and Alice Faye, and he also was on the Jack Benny program. And so he would take people like Milton Berle and Bob Hope and Eddie Cantor and Jack Carson and so many comedians and give them dramatic roles on the show. Now, this particular episode called Plan X has a little humor to it, but it is a drama and it's a sci fi story. Jack Benny plays a Martian. Let's tune this in. Let's go back to February 2nd, 1953 for suspense. Autolite and its 98,000 dealers bring you Mr. Jack Benny in tonight's presentation of. Suspense. Tonight, Autolite, following a popular trend, anticipates the strange disappearance of experimental rocket ship Y-272B. The time, the year 2053. The place, the planet Mars. The star, Mr. Jack Benny. And now, Autolite presents transcribed Plan X, starring Mr. Jack Benny, hoping once again to keep you in suspense. The card. Do you have the card yet? Uh, One more run through the machine. Turing... When do you think the Earth rocket is arriving? Tomorrow. But if the Grand Council wanted the card before now, they should have asked me before now. Is that it? Let me see it. Mm, Here. One, three, seven, five, six. Zeno. 
assembly line worker, atomic escalator factory. Mm. Torig, this is the man for the job? He has the specifications called for. An assembly line worker. Why, it's incredible. Incredible. Yes? Yes? Right away. You may go in now, Zeno. The Grand Council is ready for you. One, three, seven, five, six, called Zeno. Come forward. Yes, sir. Zeno, the Grand Council of Mars has a mission for you to perform. Me? A mission? You have been selected because of the qualities shown on your work and identity card, Form 42-A. Set habit patterns, attention to detail, no strong emotional or biological drives, and complete suppression of imagination. Well, I always pride myself Do not that speak I... unless questioned, Zeno. The Grand Council has other important matters of state. Of course, of course. You have heard the telephone broadcast that an armed rocket from the planet Earth is approaching Mars. Hmm? Oh, oh, I did hear something about it, yes. Their course has been plotted as bringing them to a landing on the plane outside the city at 10.14 tomorrow morning. 10.14? You know, I wouldn't mind seeing that. You will see it, Citizen Zeno. Me? You. Well, I'd certainly like to, but I'm due in the atomic escalator factory at 8. I'm on stair treads, you know. And uh, we've arranged a leave from your job. Leave? Well, I'm not arguing with the Grand Council, but I've got a pretty important job there. And uh, one, three, seven, five, six. You've been selected to meet and deal with the Earth rocket. Me? You will put Plan X into operation. Plan X? Citizens, you know, every Martian for the last fifty years has been thoroughly grounded in Plan X. If and when a rocket should come from the Earth. Oh. oh. Oh, Plan X. Oh, you see, I thought you said Plan X, of course. Then you understand and accept the responsibility. Oh, anything to help out. Those assisting you on the mission will be in contact with you. Good, good. Have the other council members any questions? Uh, no, I don't believe so. 13756 called Zeno. You are now officially operating under the provisions of. Plan X. Well, thank you. I took the aerial transmission belt directly home. Let them get along without me at the escalator factory if they could. Besides, it was almost quitting time. I went to bed early that night. Uh, tomorrow was going to be a big day. Plan X. Out of the whole population of Mars, I was picked to carry out Plan X. Oh, I'll admit I had my criticisms of the Grand Council in the past, but this restored my confidence in them. Yes, sir. They couldn't have picked a better Martian. I think I'll have a second cup of ostrich, Mother. Zeno, you haven't time. You'll be late for the factory as it is. As I told you, Mother, I'm on leave. Orders of the Grand Council. Oh, yes, of course. Plan X. 
But will the Grand Council care if you don't get your job back? There won't be any trouble. They couldn't replace me in stair treads, and they know it. Pass the Gorot, will you, Mother? Here. But it's fattening, Zeno. Well, I got a hard task coming up, Mother. I owe it to myself. And you will be careful, Zeno. Oh, Mother, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. It's just an invasion rocket from that stupid planet Earth. So will you stop worrying? Ah, you're just like your father was, Zeno. Too brave for your own good. I am? Well, it's nothing, really. I took my time going over to the field where the Earth rocket was to land. I got there at ten, with not another soul around. Another few minutes, and I had my pocket radar screen working. Yep, the rocket was coming in, right on time. Then I could hear it out in space, and soon after that I could see it. Bearing our first visitors from Earth. Gee, I was thinking they must be a brave crew. I almost felt sorry for them. It wasn't a bad landing. Not the greatest, but not bad. After another ten minutes, a port in the side of the rocket started to swing open, and I walked over it. If I do say it myself, I made quite an impression. Commander. Commander, look. Great Scott, what is it? Commander, I I think we've met our first Martian. All right, keep back, everybody. Dr. Fielding and I will deal with it. Him, whatever it is. Hand me the Martian kit, Parker. All ready, sir. Come on, Fielding. We'll be ready for anything. Right, Commander. Incredible, absolutely incredible. I'll try to talk to him. We, Earth people, we, friends, friends, we come from out there. Uh, oh, blasted feeling, I feel like a fool. Uh, let me try, Commander. <clears throat> we bring you presents here. We bring you beads, cloths of many colors. Take them. You wouldn't have something a little more conservative? Fielding, he speaks Esperanto. Incredible, incredible. Gentlemen, welcome to Mars. It's, it's almost as if he was expecting us. Oh, yes, for some days now. Ever since you left Earth, as a matter of fact. You hear that, Fielding? Commander, we may very well be in the presence of a superior race. Well, thank you. You you say you expected us? Everyone expected us? Oh, certainly. But you're here alone. Yes. Well, unfortunately, all other adult Martians are, shall we say, unavailable. For how long? Not wishing to pry, but how long are you staying? Well, they've taken to the hills, have they? No need to be afraid of us. No need at all. There's uh, no one in your city over there? Mainly unavailable. But I'll be glad to show you around. Martian hospitality, you know. <laughs> Amazing. Can we go right away, Commander? I'll get Connie. You can call her, Fielding. But we don't want to blunder into a trap. All right, men. All in. 
Parker, take three men and stay here for rocket guard. Yes, sir. Ready, Fielding? All set, Commander. Uh, Connie, I want you to meet our first Martian. Dr. Fielding, I don't believe it. Miss Morrison, this is, uh, uh, 13756. Call Zeno. Uh, Miss Morrison, this is Zeno. Uh, how do you do? Well, how do you do? Incredible. But he's almost handsome in a strange way. And he speaks our language. Maybe a trick of some kind. Expedition Force, on to... to... It's a little difficult to pronounce. On to the city! All right, that's the first portion of a very interesting episode of Suspense, Plan X, starring Jack Benny and a lot of other great actors in this. William Conrad, Larry Thor, Howard McNear, Jack Crucian, John McIntyre, Joseph Kearns. They really uh, pulled out all of the uh, stops to make sure this was a great episode because you had Jack Benny starring as a Martian on Suspense. More of this episode in just a few minutes. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Thanks, David. It is 11.35 here on a Saturday night. We'll be here till 2 o'clock in the morning, and we're here every Saturday and Sunday beginning at 11 p.m., and we play all your favorite classic radio shows. The Shadow. Remember The Shadow, Lisa? I do. Shadow Knows. We play Jack Benny, Boston Blackie, Suspense, The Great Gildersleeve, Leroy, Life of Riley, Oh my gosh! My favorite husband, which is your favorite show, yours X truly, minus, Johnny Dollar. Minus one Gunsmoke. Yeah. Have all the gun good will stuff. travel, and you bet your life. Yeah, all your favorite classic radio shows, and we have them every single weekend right here on AM seven twenty WGN. We broadcast them just about across the country. This station reaches all the way to. Uh, Timbuktu. 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 <laughs> what I did said, you call it? I almost said Timbuktu. You, that, Timbuktu. No, you did say that. <laughs> I think I was thinking of Jim Back. The weird two. thing is, when what? you say all the way to, I said Timbuktu the and same I time said you said Timbuktu. Tim, no, you said Timbuktu, but you meant the same thing. Does that thing. mean we're starting to think alike? I, oh, God. That's scary, right, Roger? <laughs> For you, it's scary. Oh, I know. For me, it's good. I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we're listening to a uh, terrific episode of Suspense, Plan X, good sci-fi show, Jack Benny starring. Here's the conclusion. We march into the city, which, of course, appeared quite deserted. Plan X. I show them a few of the sites, the canals, the Og factory, and the hall of the Grand Council. I was walking alongside of Connie, Miss Morrison, who was most unlike the women of Mars. I caught myself showing off riding the aerial transmission belt with one hand. Finally, I took them all to the art museum. Oh, Commander, this place, this civilization, it's fantastic, fantastic. Look at this sculpture, Dr. Fielding, the line, the detail. I've never seen anything so beautiful. <laughs> it's nothing, really. Zeno, you don't mean that you... Well, no, no, no. You see, I work at an atomic escalator factory. I'm in stair treads. Everybody, over here. Look at this. Oh, what is it? What, wait, isn't that what... Wait. Zeno, is, is this what I think it is? Hmm? I'll have to read the nameplate. Oh, yes, yes, a flying saucer. From 1952, your calendar. 
100 years old. 1952, the year of the flying saucers. Then they did come from Mars. Oh, yes. But none of them ever landed on Earth. Why? Mm, it just didn't seem worthwhile. Nothing personal, of course. I just can't get over this planet. It's so different from anything we imagined. Now, here's something you might be interested in. Uh, right over here. What? Looks like a weapon of some kind. Oh, yes. Yeah, you see, it's a uh, paralyzer ray. 300 years old. But why do you have it in a museum? You don't mean that weapons like this are 300 years obsolete. Well, you might say that, yes. You see, no adult Martian has carried a weapon for hundreds of years. Well, why not? Why should we? But to defend yourself. Well, we just have no aggressive impulses, that's all. Well, if someone struck you, wouldn't you strike back? I couldn't. But it doesn't matter. No one could strike me. No Martian, that is. Yes. We've never had any trouble. Uh, Zeno, you're in the diplomatic service? The escalator game. Yet you were delegated to meet us. Yes, by the Grand Council. You see, we stopped having diplomats handle our important missions years ago. Again, nothing personal, of course. <laughs> I see. But you are empowered to deal with us. Deal with you? I certainly am. Uh, good. Now, it seems logical to me that we should work out a mutual defense pact. Not right now, of course. Mr. Zeno! Mr. Zeno! Who's that? Oh, it looks like children. We have to see you, Mr. Zeno. Uh, just some little friends of mine. Oh, they're darling. What's the problem, Ormy? We're building something, and we're all out of uranium. We need some right away, and... Zeno, does he mean real uranium? Oh, of course, Dr. Fielding. Oh, it won't hurt them a bit. We have to have it right away, Mr. Zeno. We just have to have it. This, this city was deserted. Where did these children come from? Oh, you know how it is with kids when they get to playing. You'll get the uranium for us, won't you, Mr. Zeno? Will you? Fascinating. Uh, what are they playing, Zeno? Yes. Uh, what's the game? I don't think you've heard of it, Commander. It's called Plan X. Autolite is bringing you Mr. Jack Benny in Plan X. Tonight's presentation in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. For the next week, I showed the Earth expedition around the city, signed a few treaties, and had several long conversations with Miss Morrison. Well, not too long, but I felt we were building a solid friendship. It was too bad it was coming to an end. You're not going out again this evening, Zeno? Mother, so I've been out two evenings in a row. Doesn't have to be fatal, you know. This is the time of year you always get that chest cold. Oh, chest cold, chest cold. Anyway, Mother, I have to go over to the rocket. Don't they plan to go back to Earth tomorrow? They plan to, yes. Miss Morrison promised to take a little farewell walk with me this evening. Hmm. Don't let her keep you out in the moonlight too long, Zeno. Mother, why, that's the most ridiculous thing I... You just don't know how attractive you are. Now, Mother, Miss Morris and I are merely friends. And to think of anything beyond that is just... Mr. Zeno! Mr. Zeno! We're almost finished the game, Mr. Zeno. Good, good. All finished, Army? Just about. It's tomorrow morning at 8.45, isn't it? 8.45. Uh, anything else you need, Army? I mean, any more uranium? 
No, I just wanted to make sure it was 8.45. Well, see you in the morning, Mr. Zeno. Goodbye, Mr. Zeno. See you in the morning, Army. <laughs> Such a cute little fellow, Zeno. And smart. Is he? Mother, you have no idea. The Earth expedition was camped beside their rocket, getting ready for takeoff the next day. Connie, uh, uh, Miss Morrison, waved when she saw me coming. I waved back, and then she smiled at me, and I smiled back. It was a beautiful evening. We walked out over the plain, Connie and I, and then we sat down quite close. Connie lit a cigarette, and I opened up a package of Gurkog. Zeno? Yes, Connie. Miss Morrison. <laughs> Connie. How is it you're not married, Zeno? Don't Martians believe in it? Oh, definitely. But there's mother and... And what? Connie, you don't find me a little bit strange? You mean because you're a Martian? Not exactly. You see, even to Martian girls, I'm a little bit strange. I find you very attractive, Zeno. Really? You're from a superior race. Well... The commander may not see it, but Dr. Fielding does, and I do. Your civilization, your culture, and you. Actually, I'm... What are the other Martians like? You know, I seem to feel there are people all around watching, waiting, and yet we've seen only you. And the children, of course. Yes, and the children. They've been playing around the rocket all day. Yes, yes. Zeno, what'll happen to this planet, this beautiful planet, when the next Earth rocket comes? And the next one? Connie. I'd almost like to stay here. Or I wish we'd never come. None of us. Connie, there's something I... I... What, Zeno? What is it? It's just that... It's getting cold. Maybe we'd better go back. I walked with Connie back to the rocket, and then I went home. There was a message on the autophono pad. The Grand Council wanted to see me at once. You sent for me, gentlemen? 13756 called Zeno. You are nearing the completion of Plan X. I hope my work has been satisfactory. You were selected for certain qualifications, Zeno. Set habit patterns, attention to detail, no strong emotional drives. I remember, yes. You have assumed a responsibility based on those qualifications. I suppose you might put it that way. Are you still prepared to discharge that responsibility? Well, I... I think you might as well know that it's been my criticism in the past, as well as that of a lot of other taxpayers, that the Grand Council interferes entirely too much in the private lives of, well, well, what I mean to say... Are you prepared to discharge your responsibility? But about Connie? I mean, Miss Morrison, isn't there some way... You that... know that there is not... Well, I... I suppose not, no. Plan X will then be completed. I assure the Grand Council, at 8.45 tomorrow morning, Plan X will be completed. I didn't sleep well that night. Mother was worried when I hadn't any appetite in the morning. She thought it was the start of one of my chest colds. Purposely, I didn't go out to the rocket until almost 8.40. They were blasting the motors, getting ready to take off. 
Zeno, I thought you weren't coming. I, I overslept, Connie. That is, I, I didn't really oversleep, but... The uh, children have been here for an hour. We're just about finished playing, Mr. Zeno. Oh, good, Army. Did you win the game? Plan X? I think so. We'll know in a minute, Mr. Zeno. They're so intense. Are the children on Mars always that way, Zeno? Well, not always, no. Ah, come to see us off, did you, Zeno? Good boy. We counted on you. Well, thank you. Come over here, Fielding. Uh, yes, Commander. Connie, Fielding, Zeno here has been so helpful to us that I have come to a decision. That's very nice of you, but I'm pretty well stocked up on beads right now. Uh, a different I... kind of a present. Zeno, I have decided to invite you to come with us to Earth. To Earth? How about it, Zeno? We're taking off in uh, 16 minutes at 9 o'clock. How about it? Well, it's not that I don't appreciate your thinking of me, but Mother would worry and... You uh, see, we need you, Zeno. That's not true. Well, I'm afraid it is. You see, I think Zeno is a much more important man than a worker in an elevator factory. Escalator. I'm in stair trance. And if we have Zeno along the next time we come back to Mars, we'd be much less likely to run into, well, an ambush. I'm afraid he's right, Connie. He's not right. How about it, Zeno? Thanks, but no. Commander, those kids... They've got some sort of a ray gun set up. Fielding. Is it real, Fielding? Why, it, it looks like it, Commander. Get Zeno over in front of us, quick. Now they can't shoot without hitting him. Get your gun out, Parker. You mean the kids, Commander? If we have to, yes. Tell them not to fire on us, Zeno. I'm sorry, Connie. Really sorry. Oh, it's all right, Zeno. Do what you have to do. Shall we shoot, Mr. Zeno? Have your gun ready, Parker. It wouldn't do any good, Commander. All right, Army. Plan X. Did you... Did you fire, Parker? Me, sir? Fire a gun? Well, I couldn't. I couldn't do a thing like that. No. No, of course you couldn't. I I don't know what made me ask. Uh, the rocket. Its motors have stopped. Its motors have stopped, Commander. Well, we aren't going anywhere. Are we? Someone said something about going back to Earth. Back to Earth? Oh, no. Of course not. Of course not. Everybody all right? What happened, Commander? What happened? Nothing, really. It's just that Army and his little friends built a maturity ray. It takes people who are, shall we say, less advanced and increases their IQ by several thousand years. That's amazing. Child's play. Zeno, do you mean to say... Commander, Dr. Fielding, Parker, Connie, permit me to congratulate you as fellow Martians. <laughs> Utterly amazing. Connie... Look! Here come the Martians. Our fellow Martians, thousands of them. They're coming to welcome us. Connie. Oh, look at them. Uh, oh, they look so handsome, so intelligent, so... Connie. Yeah, excuse me, Zeno. I'll be back, Commander. I have to go to them. I'll be back. <laughs> for Plan X. But she did like me. Even just for a while. That's something, isn't it?
Suspense. Presented by Autolite. Tonight's star, Mr. Jack Benny. This is Harlow Wilcox again, speaking for Autolite, world's largest independent manufacturer of automotive electrical equipment. Autolite is proud to serve the greatest names in the industry. That's why, during the early months of 1953, as we did last year, the Autolite family will join in saluting the leading car manufacturers who install Autolite products as original equipment. Our Autolite family is a worldwide family, and numbers among its members some 30,000 men and women in Autolite plants in the United States, Canada, and many foreign countries, and the 18,000 people who have invested a portion of their savings in Autolite, as well as thousands of Autolite distributors and dealers, and the many leading manufacturers who use Autolite products as original equipment. Our Autolite family will salute the Dodge division of Chrysler Corporation on the next Autolite Suspense program on television. If you live in a television area, check the day and time of suspense so that you'll be sure to see this program. Next week, the dramatic report of a man's desperate race for freedom. A true story with names and places changed in order to protect the lives of the principals. The story is called The Man Who Cried Wolf. Our star, Mr. Jeff Chandler. That's next week on Suspense. Suspense is transcribed and directed by Elliot Lewis, with music composed by Lucian Morowick and conducted by Lud Gluskin. Plan X was written for Suspense by Richard Powell. Featured in tonight's cast were Mary Jane Croft, Norma Varden, John McIntyre, Truda Marson, Howard McNear, William Conrad, Jack Crucian, Joseph Kearns, and Stuffy Singer. The Jack Benny Show may be heard every Sunday on the CBS Radio Network. And remember next week, Mr. Jeff Chandler in The Man Who Cried Wolf. The 1953 March of Dimes has nearly passed by. If you haven't given your dime or dollar to help in the crusade against polio, why not do it now? Send your contribution to your local March of Dimes headquarters. This is the CBS Radio Network. That is Suspense with Plan X from February 2nd, 1953, sponsored by Auto Light. And uh, that show had two announcers on it. It had, it had a big budget, I guess. It had two announcers, uh, Larry Thor and Harlow Wilcox. Harlow is the name I'm going to name my next kid, by the way. Oh, that scares me. The <laughs> next kid part, not the name part. Yeah. <laughs> in my we next, have two announcers. In my next lifetime. We have two announcers when on I have this another show. Kid, we when got a big I, budget here. When I come back, you know, uh, in my next life. Mm-hmm. Well, this is sci-fi. It's sci-fi weekend, so we could talk about that kind of stuff. I'm naming my first child Harlow, whether it's a girl or a boy. I love that name, especially mm-hmm. for a girl, actually. Love it. I would do that. Second kid. What? Hang on. What, Roger? 
Uh, in a second. Uh, what microphone are you on? Six. He's got to sit up. He though. talks without the and the microphone on. And uh, number six. Okay, number six. Okay, what you mention number six? What you say? Uh, what are you going to name the second kid? Uh, Wilcox. Wilcox. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, say hello to Harlow. And, and then Wilcox. Yeah. I, Harlow's good. Let's just end it right there. And did you hear <laughs> Did you hear what the uh, show was the following week? Jeff Chandler starring in The Man Who Cried Lisa Wolf. <laughs> yeah. It's an excellent show, too. It is. Yeah. Was there an E at the end of that, There Wolf? was not. All right, let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. About seven minutes after midnight here. It is Sunday morning. Happy Sunday morning, Lisa. Happy Sunday to you and Curtis and Ben and David and Roger and crew. all our listeners. That's right. Dimension X in this hour. The roads must roll from 1950. And in hour three, it will be X minus one from 1955 with the green hills of Earth on our sci-fi weekend here on the WGN Radio Theater. A time now for Cat's Pride. Is, is it, it real? real? Or is, is it, it ridiculous? ridiculous? The celebrity is Matt LeBlanc. From Friends. Okay, good. You looked at me for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Joey good on Friends. Joey. Hey, Joey. Yeah. And we're going to be giving away a desktop indoor weather station brought to you by American Weathermakers. Okay, what caller? We're going to go with caller number six. You can call now, 312-981-7200. Talk to Ben. Give us a call. We'll be right back. Come on, baby. Let's get ridiculous. And we're going to get ridiculous with John. Hey, John. Hey, John. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Good, good. How are you, Carl? Hey, good, John. How are you? Great, great. All right. Good. Well, we're going to do a little Matt LeBlanc. And we're, I, John I has reckon, a deeper voice than me. I recognize you so just because I know so that John, voice. You, you could come here and do the show if we want with Lisa next for tomorrow. Nah. For tomorrow or tonight. <laughs> totally down. <laughs> I, I figured you'd be down for that. I'll give you a hard time. It's, but fun. <laughs> it's fun. She's, she's fun to do the show with. Now and then. Yeah. <laughs> Once in a while. <laughs> okay, number one. Matt LeBlanc appeared in two of Phil Collins' music videos, Do You Remember and All of My Life. Is that real or ridiculous? Hmm. Um, I'm going to say ridiculous. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. John, I haven't missed one yet tonight. Oh, well, let's see what we can do. Mm-hmm. Number two. Of the six Friends castmates, he is the only one who's never hosted Saturday Night Live. Real or ridiculous? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I know. I, I'm going to say real. I'm going to go with ridiculous. <laughs> John, you're right. It's real. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? Here as soon go, as Carl mentions that he's gotten them all right, that's, that's when, when my he misses when you got a little cocky over there. Here's <laughs> my theme song. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> In 2000... She gets such pleasure when <laughs> I, I when I, when I lose. Seriously, I feel good now. In 2000, he was named one of... <laughs> Wait a second. The reason I feel so good is, John, you don't know, but... All through the break, he was telling everyone how he hadn't missed any yet tonight. So, so we can all sleep better tonight. In 2000, he was named one of the 50 most beautiful people by People magazine. Real or ridiculous? I would say it's real. What year? 2000. He yeah, was named one of real. the 50. Real. It's real. 
So you did really good. John, you got them all right. Yeah, John got them all right. You have earned your desktop indoor weather station. It is brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 60-Minute Men. Visit them at AmericanWeathermakers.com. Thank you so much for calling. You you did a great job. We have very few people who get all three right. Well, thank you, guys. Great show as <laughs> Thanks, always. John. Thank Appreciate you for you. calling in. All it's right. Nice to talk to you. John is a big winner. He's got a desktop indoor weather station, right? That's right. And I don't have one. No, you don't. I do not have one. But mine's have no clout. Mine's at this for sale. All. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, are you ready for Dimension Yeah, X? I'm excited about it. Well, before we get into Dimension X, I want to remind everyone listening that if they are taking a road trip anytime soon, and I actually am taking, I'm going going all the way to Florida. I'm driving to Florida when in January. In January, January. That's yeah, a little ways off, but you can plan ahead. So, if you're going to do like me or any state to state, here's what you do: you go to bestoftheinterstate.com. That is the website to go to, because if you've ever been on a road trip and you don't know where to stop, you go to bestoftheinterstate.com. It's there to help you find the best destinations and attractions all along U.S. interstate. How clever! I mean. When I'm driving, I never know what's on the next uh, stop. This way you can plan it all out. Head to bestoftheinterstate.com. Plan your best road trip yet. Don't guess. Know the best. Bestoftheinterstate.com. All right. You ready for Dimension X? Yes. This was a uh, very, very good series. It was an adult science fiction series. Came to radio in 1950, and it took all the top sci-fi writers, all their stories, and adapted them for radio, including Ray Bradbury and Isaac Asimov, Frederick Brown, Robert Heinlein. And uh, later, it evolved into X-1. They made a name change, and we're going to have an X-1 broadcast a little later. But right now, it's time for The Roads Must Roll. The host is Norman Rose. He was the voice of Juan Valdez. Uh, on the, um, the coffee Co- commercials. Columbia, Columbia Coffee yeah, Growers. For the, yeah, so you're going to recognize his voice. He's the host of this. Let's go back to September 1st, 1950. Here is part one now of Dimension X. Adventures in time and space. Transcribed in future tense. Dimension X. Can you predict the future? Can you tell what will come in a hundred years, or in ten, or in the next minute? Tonight, Dimension X brings you a glimpse of what may well happen within your own lifetime. The Robert Heinlein story, The Roads Must Roll. Along. 
it was in the middle 1950s that the automotive age began to die. The traffic engineers had long expected it. For years, they had watched our vast cities sprawl and spread out, spill over into the countryside, become more and more dependent on motor transportation. And then finally, the inevitable breaking point was reached. The growing flood of cars and buses and trucks began to swamp the streets and arterial highways. The building of roads could no longer keep pace. The superhighways clogged, congested, became packed with cars, stalled bumper to bumper. And the cities began to die of slow strangulation, for the traffic could no longer roll. And then the engineers took over. They banned the automobiles, tore up the superhighways, and in their place they built the rolling roads. Mechanized roads that moved like huge conveyor belts, whirling along on their giant rotors at speeds ranging from 5 to 100 miles an hour, carrying the freight, the food, and the people from city to city and coast to coast. An engineering miracle had changed the face of a nation. The automobiles and railroads vanished. The rolling roads had taken over all transportation. And no one worried over the fact that if the roads should ever stop, our whole economic life would stop. But the machinery had never failed yet. The machinery that rolled the roads was perfect. But people forgot that machinery depends on men. The men who run it. Who makes the roads roll? That's right. The engineers. Not the supervisors, not the mechanic union, but the engineers. We're the brains of the roads. And where would the public be if we didn't keep those roads out there rolling? Right behind the eight ball, and everybody knows it. All right, then. We're the men who hold the power. It's time we started using it. We've called this meeting of the Engineers Control Committee because that's what we want to do, control. Because I'm tired of taking orders from the Transport Commission. From slick desk jockeys like Jim Gaines, who don't even know a rotor bearing from a field. <laughs> Let Gaines yammer about our duty to the public. That's a lot of eyewash. We've got the power, and we're the men that count. It's time we quit fiddling around and use a little direct action to get what we want. Let's go. The chair recognizes Brother Harvey of a transport mechanics unit. Uh, uh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, thanks, boys. Uh, I, uh, I don't rightly belong here since I'm no engineer. Uh, I'm just here to represent the workers' union. But uh, I want to know what's all the shooting for. You engineers have got better working conditions than we have, and we ain't kicking. You say you engineers are powerful. You say you can tie up the roads. Right. Well, listen. So can any screwball with a jar of nitroglycerin. Hey, what's he yeah, and he don't need no engineering degree neither. Harvey, are you speaking for your union now? Or are you here as a stooge for the transport commission? Yeah. <laughs> listen, I, I helped found my union, and I led the strike in 75 for decent working condition. Where were you engineers then, huh? With the thing! Remember, you're only a guest at this meeting. Go on, Van. Now listen, men. I'm one of the old engineers on the road. 
You all are. Worked up the hardwood. We didn't go to the fancy technical institutes like those young punk cadets the commission is training to take over our jobs. Jim Gaines, don't fill us full of the old school spirit and that baloney about how the roads must roll. (laughs) So all right then. Why don't we get smart for a change? What would happen if the roads stopped rolling? Maybe the country would begin to realize that they can't do without us. And maybe we'd begin to get the things we want. All right, put her on. Jim, I want you to stop off on your way home. I'm sorry, darling, I can't make it. Oh, but you promised. Yes, I know, but Washington called in. They're sending Evans, the Australian Minister of Transport, through my sector today. I've got to show him through personally. Well, can't somebody else? Well, I'm chief supervisor. It wouldn't be courteous. Darling, courtesy begins at home. I've planned this dinner for weeks. Honey, the roads must roll. Jim, if you quote that nauseating slogan at me again, I'll divorce you. <laughs> well, I can't help it, darling. I tell you, I'll meet you at Stockton at nine. We'll take in a show. Yeah. Kiss Alan goodnight for me. Well, all right, dear. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye, darling. Yes, Mr. Evans is here. Uh, send him in. Go right in, sir. Well, good evening, Mr. Evans. I'm Gaines, chief engineer. How do you do, Mr. Gaines? Won't you sit down? Thank you. Ah. Um, they told me at the embassy you'd be the man to see. Oh? I want to know how the roads work. I think we can handle that. I'm not a technical man, Mr. Gaines. My field is sociology. I suppose you'd tell me about the roads as if I were entirely ignorant. Well, fine, fine. <laughs> well, it's nearly dinner time. Suppose we run up to Stockton sector for dinner. All right. Take us about an hour on the roads and you can see them working. Excellent. If you'll excuse me for a minute. Hi, Chief. What can I do for you? Oh, Dave, you're on the evening watch, huh? Where's Van Cleek? Oh, I'm going to some meeting. I'm going up to Stockton for dinner. Anything to report? No, sir. The roads are rolling. Okay, keep them rolling. All right, Mr. Evans. Let's go. This, this here is the low-speed strip. You ever ridden a conveyor before? No. That's well, quite simple. Remember to face the motion of the strip as you get on. Well, that's it. All right. We'll, uh, we'll go right across here. Each adjoining strip is a few miles an hour faster than the one next to it. I see. Freight is carried on the 50-mile strip. Most passenger traffic is on the express strip. Oh, yeah. All right, now, watch your step. Maximum speed. 100 miles an hour. Amazing. <laughs> this trip makes a round trip San Diego to Reno in 12 hours. Oh. Oh, here's a restaurant. Ready to eat? But is this a restaurant? There's a sign. Jake's Steakhouse. Fastest meal on the road. Is, is it really a proper restaurant? Yeah, well, the best. Hooked right into the moving strip, of course. Shall we go in? <laughs> oh, hello. Mr. Gaines, we don't see much of you out on the road. Well, busy in the office, Jay. Oh, <laughs> too, eh? right this way. Uh, thank you. Here we are. Now, 
What'll it be? Well, you order it, Jake. Well, um, how about a stick? Two inches thick from a steer that died happy. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. That's nice. Uh, plug me in the intercom, will you, Jake? Sure, there's a talk box right next to uh, you. Flank tool, Ryan! If you excuse me, Mr. Evans. Davidson on watch. This is the chief, Davidson. I'm at Jake's Steakhouse. You can reach me at 10L66. 10L66, right. There now. They can get a hold of me in an emergency now. Mr. Gaines, what kind of an emergency could there be? Well, two principally. Power failure on the rotors would bring the road to a standstill. Mm-hmm. If that happened during rush hour, we'd have to evacuate millions of people. Well, well, as many as that? Oh, yes, easily. There are 12 million people dependent on this section of road. <laughs> Gaines here. Proceed. Cadet engineer Gunther, while on watch, was found playing cards with C.J. Ross, technician on duty. Any damage? One rotor running hot, but still It was jacked down and replaced. All right, have the paymaster give Ross his time. Turn him over to civil authorities. Place Cadet Gunther under arrest. Bring him to Roadtown Central. Yes, sir. All right, keep him rolling. As I was saying, Evans, there are two possibilities of danger. Can you visualize what would happen if the strip under us would break? I, uh, I haven't thought of that. You don't realize you're traveling at uh, 100 miles an hour. <laughs> well, it can't break, not now. The strip has a safety factor of over 12 to 1. Mm-hmm. This is good soup, Jake. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Gaines. But you know, Evans, a break did happen once in the early days. That was on the Philadelphia-Jersey City Road. Damn you, no. That's right. The strip wasn't much more than a conveyor belt then. You know, it buckled for miles, crushing passengers against the roof. Yeah. Forward section in front of the brakes spilled them down under into the rotors and the rollers. Was it uh, very bad? Over 3,000 people were killed in that break. But, Evans, the roads had to go on. You know, the entire economic system hangs on the roads. They stopped now, the country would starve. Isn't it possible that you've become too dependent on these roads, Mr. Gaines? For example, what if you had a strike? Uh, We had a strike back in 75, but... Well, there's not much danger of that anymore. Oh, why not? Every cadet that goes to work on the roads today is a graduate of the United States Transport Academy. Oh, I see. They're all picked men, screened for emotional stability. They're trained to give us the same kind of loyalty that Annapolis and West Point developed in their men. Uh, You're a graduate, I suppose, Mr. Gaines? No, no, I, I was too old for that. The Academy wasn't set up till after the strike in 75. But it won't be long now, maybe five or ten years, Evans, before the oldest engineer on the roads is a man who's who's been through that academy. Now, yeah, Gainser. Davidson, Chief, there's trouble in Sacramento. What is it? What's happening? Emergency stop. Hello. Hello, Davidson. The phones must be out. Come on. Jake! Jake! What is it? What's the matter? Have everybody stay in the restroom, Jake. Probably somebody stepped onto the next truck. Got cut to ribbons. There'll be plenty of casualties. Jake, where's your getaway hat? In the pantry. Well, how am I going to help those people? I've got the whole road to think of. Now, don't bother me. Give me a hand, Jake. This hatch is stuck here. All right, if you're coming with me, Mr. Evans, you've got to move fast. I haven't got any time to waste. When you don't have any time to waste, there's music like that. Really exciting music. Really fast music. Fast-paced music Tempest there. Tempest Fugit. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Wow. 
<laughs> <laughs> That's Dimension X, the first portion from September 1st, 1950, The Roads Must Roll. Horse, uh, the host is Norman Rose on there, and we'll get back to it in a minute. I uh, want to remind all of our listeners that we have a website for this show, WGNRadioTheater.com, and at that website there's about 4 billion pictures of Lisa. Well, I'm the only one around here that takes yeah. any photos. She so I takes just keep so many. Taking them she just myself. takes. That's she. Does, she's here all the time, right, Ben? That's all she does. She's like, hey, let's take a picture. Hey, let's do a video. Yeah, hey, but let's. It's, but it's really it's one million because she deletes like half of them because they're not good enough. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, we take sense. two billion and then one million make the cut. Um. What did we do tonight? How many photos did we take? A, a lot. No, a we, lot of photos. Uh, uh, could you correct him? We took. One photo. Five photos. What are you talking about? We took Curtis is even saying five photos. You took one photo. She's always like, let's say, hey, let's take a picture. Hey. You're lucky that I do your social media. (laughs) We wouldn't even be on Facebook. Nobody would know what Uh, was playing in Sweet Guns. All right. All right. Okay. I can't I can't argue with you. Be appreciative. I can't argue with you. I I do appreciate you. I do appreciate you, Lisa. Bring you up in life. But here's the problem. Here's the here's my problem. I raise it. you she up. She takes Carl. the picture. She's like, let's take a picture. Then we take it, and she ne- never likes it. Right, Ben? Am I am my I exaggerating? Track record has been you pretty are not good exactly. lately. See, I'm not. See, back me up here, guys. So then she's like, oh, I don't like that picture. I have a piece of popcorn did on I, my did- mouth, or <laughs> I don't look good. Oh my! Oh my! Wait, my hair. Well, hey, can we take it again? Because I got to put my hair up. And that's what just drives you crazy. Lately, it's, no, I haven't done that. Yeah. Right, Curtis? I'm on Team Lisa here. Thank you. What? I've been actually you pretty traitor. flexible. Her track record about traitor. the last like, month has been pretty good. I think so, too. Listen, Curtis, 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 Curtis. <laughs> Curtis on repeat. Carl, when you can say my name right, then I'll take you seriously. All right, Curtis, 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 Curtis. Okay, we're listening to Dimension X. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Lisa, I think we've scarred... Roger, because yeah. when he says Schomburg, now he goes, Schomburg? Um, can we say you, not we? Yeah, because... I was not a part of this. Because one time, folks, he said Schauberg, and so we have been... No, not we. We. Again, Lisa you. I there's no we here. Ruthlessly yeah, there's, there's no relentless. We about Thank it. you, Roger. We, well. we no remind we him here. all the time that he said Schauberg. No, we don't. Let's I was just saying be the clear. word in the back half of my breathing, and it caught, and it sounded like Schaumburg. Right. So I it think Schaumburg. The just, M was why, subdued. Why don't you pick a different city? We then, made him the mayor of Schauburg. He <laughs> lives in Schauburg. Yeah, I'm the only resident of Schauburg. So now when he says Schauburg, he goes. Uh, you know, he'll say all the other well, cities. Well, I don't want he'll you to get it mixed up Barrington, with Schaumburg. And then, and then he'll go, and Schaumburg? Well, here's the other thing about that city. Some people so say Schaumburg, and some people say Schaumburg. Yeah. So maybe you should just pick, like, Highwood or something. How about if I say where Carl lives? I don't live we in don't want to say. I don't live in Schauburg. <laughs> I know you don't. We don't want to give that. Carl, we don't want to give the temperature in Carl's place. We're at Mars. Let's <laughs> Mars. go with Mars. <laughs> Very hot up there. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> it is. All right. Well, we're listening to Dimension X, a good broadcast called "The Roads Must Roll." Here's the conclusion. Freeway on top of the inner road ceiling, though. That's the outer shell over us there. But are we going outside? No, there'll be an excess down manhole over here. They're spaced every hundred feet. Mm-hmm. It's there by the green light. Oh. Oh. This will get us down on the 
northbound road. Careful now, it's dark. All right. Stand away from that door, Heaven. But this road is still rolling. Yeah, so it is. It was only the hundred mile strip that stopped. There's what I want a phone booth. Look out, Evans. Excuse me, will you? Hey! Out. I'm talking to my wife. What Don't do argue, Al. You... I'm a ball. Emergency priority, division office. Davidson? Gaines here, report. Chief, where you been? I've been calling. Never mind that report. 709 report. Strip 20 past emergency level. Interlocks acted and cut the strip out. Cause of failure unknown. Direct communication to Sacramento control office out. Evacuation of strip 20 commence. No casualties. There are casualties. I saw them. Put police and hospital routine A into operation. Get me Van Cleek. I want him to take over for me till I report him. We can't reach him, Chief. Shall I cut out the rest of the road? No, keep those other strips rolling or we'll have a traffic jam the devil himself couldn't untangle. There are five million passengers on that road now. Notify the governor that I've assumed emergency authority. Arm all cadets available and await orders. Shall I recall technicians off watch? No, this isn't an engineering failure, man. That whole sector went out simultaneously. Somebody cut those rotors by hand. Now, I want all available senior class cadets to report to Stockton Subsector Office 10 with pistols and tear gas. Yes, sir. Oh, uh, the, the governor wants to talk to you. He called in. Refer him to somebody else. I'm busy. I'll get back to you. I'm going down under. can't hear without an anti-noise filter. All right, come on. What are we looking for? A recon car. There should be one here. Are those the rotors? Yeah, the big ones are rotors. They drive the road. The little ones are rollers. They give continuous support. I see. Oh, there's a watch gang now jacking down a rotor. Can they hear us? No, the noise filter works on a four-foot radius. I'll flash them. He sees the light. Is that posted reporting, sir? I want your recon car emergency. Yes, sir. Right over here, sir. Come on, Evans. Get in. Well, it's so small. Oh, you fit. All right. All right, now. Hang on. She accelerates like a rocket. Oh, my stomach. Relay station. This is Gaines. Get me Davidson, senior watch officer. Mr. Gaines, the mayor wants to talk. I haven't got time. Get me Davidson. Leave this circuit hooked into Davidson's board until I tell you to cut it. Davidson. Gaines calling. Have you found out yet what's stopping the roads? No, sir. It's still a mystery to me. All right. I'm on my way in a recon car. Hold everything till I get there. Edmonds reporting, sir. Three platoons of cadet engineers standing by with tumblebug motorcycles. Are they armed? Pistols and tear gas is ordered. All right, good. Assistant Supervisor Van Cleek is calling you on circuit nine. Oh, it's about time. Cut me in. Yes, sir. Hello, Van. Where are you? Sacramento office. Uh, Sacramento, that's good. Report. In a pig's eye. What? I'm not your deputy anymore, Gaines. Van, what are you talking about? Uh, don't interrupt me and you'll find out. It's true, Gaines. I haven't picked the director of the engineers' control committee. We're taking over. Have you gone off your rotor? You can't stop me. 
He's got us, Edmonds. If we go in and blast him out, he may wreck the road. What's your rolling tonnage now? 53% under evening peak, sir. How about strip 20? Almost evacuated. Yeah. Listen in on this, Davidson. Standing by, Chief. I'm going down inside with these cadets. We're going to work north, overcoming any resistance that we may meet. The watch technicians and maintenance crews are to follow behind us. Each rotor, as they come to it, is to be cut out from under Sacramento's control then hooked into the Stockton control board. You understand? Got it. If it works right, we can move control of Sacramento sector right out from under Van's feet. And he can stay in his office there until he's hungry enough to be reasonable. Edmonds, get me a pistol. Now, Mr. Gaines, there's a man here, and he's badly hurt. He wants to see you. Take care of him. I haven't got time to... He's from Sacramento sector. What? Send him in here. Mr. Gaines. Mr. Gaines. Take it easy, Mr. Mr. Gaines, you're you're Harvey from the mechanics show. Uh, tried to warn you. Tried to get away. Shot me three times. Uh, get a doctor, will you? All right, now. Easy, easy, Harvey. Harvey, how long has this been building up? Isn't the man? It's the engineers. I, I told them they were crazy. Told them the roads got to roll. And when I tried to get away, easy now. Bleeding from the mouth. Harvey. You understand? Got it. Harvey? Can you hear me? He's dead, Mr. Gaines. Come on, Edmonds. We better move. All right, you men. You saw Harvey brought in. How many of you want a chance to kill the louse that did it? All right, man. Anybody who hasn't got his mind on his job will be in the way. Now, here's the order. We move north, mounted on tumblebucks. We're going to try to regain control, rotor by rotor, before Sacramento sector knows what we're moving. Now, we've got to capture any watch personnel we run on before they can get word back, you understand? Man surprises vital. Use tear gas when possible. Shoot only when necessary. But get them before they can reach a phone jack. Can you hear me? Any questions? No? And move out. What's the score, Edmonds? 33 prisoners so far. No one kills them. For years since I rode one of these tumble bugs, forgotten how to steer it. His man ahead. There at the rotor base. Oh, he's got a phone jacked in. Hurry. He gets word back. We're sunk. I, I don't think he's seen us. I'll just mount again. All right. Jesus. Come here, you. He's got a gun. Oh. I got him, sir. I got him. Grab his gun. Yeah, he had an intercom jacked in, all right. He's got through to Sacramento office. It's going to be tough. I don't know, sir. Maybe he can get the call through. Listen. The road. Take off your noise filter. There. It's a road. The road is stopping. Halt your man. Halt. Hold up there. Hold up. Edmonds, there's a recon car coming up. Relay station call for Mr. Gaines and the recon speaker. Give it to me. Here you are, sir. Gaines here. Davidson here, Chief. Van Cleek's calling you. 
Who stopped the road? He did. Oh, he did, did he? All right, cut Van Cleek into me. I, I don't think you thought I was falling, eh, Gaines? What do you think now? All right, Van. The road has stopped. You've won this trick. Then why don't you get smart and give up? You can't win. You forgot something, Van. You can't lick the whole country. Yeah? Gaines, I've got a switch button in my hand. If I push it, it'll blow 300 yards straight across the road. And then for good measure, I'll take an axe and wreck the control station before I leave. That's pretty drastic, Van. Yeah? If I blow this charge in the middle of Sacramento sector, it'll get an awful lot of people. There are plenty of shopkeepers still on Strip 20. That row of apartment houses next to the road will go. Now, look, Van, uh, you don't want to blow the road, neither do I. Uh, suppose, Van, I come up to your headquarters and we talk this over. Two reasonable men ought to be able to make a settlement. Is there some kind of a trick? I'll come along. Unarmed. My men will stay here. All right. All right, Gaines. But one long robe and I blow the road. Well, we've, we've got to hurry, Dave. If I take too long, Van Cleek will get edgy and set off that charge. I can't understand it. The psych tests are rigid. We've never had a failure in the Humbardworth-Burton method. Then suddenly a whole sector goes sour. How could Van Cleek get a whole crew of psych-cleared men to revolt? It's easy, Dave. As my deputy, he was ex-officio personnel officer for the whole road. He must have been faking psych records for years, transferring maladjusted men into his sector. I've got that personnel record, Mr. Gaines. Oh, thank you. This is Van's record here. Masked introvert, inferiority rating 7, and comment, in spite of potential instability shown on Wadsworth Curve, this officer is especially adept in handling men. Uh, he's adept, all right. I haven't got time for any more, Dave. Chief, are you actually going up there to Van Cleek's office? I've got to. They'll be armed. They'll kill you. I'm going to take that chance. Why don't you call in the army? He won't dare blow the road, Dan. Yes, he would. Look at that psych record there. He's putting up a big, brave front. But he's rotten inside. He wants to be taken seriously. He wants everybody to think he's the most dangerous man in this country. If I call the army in, he'll try to prove it by blowing the road. But how can you stop him, Mr. Gaines? He'll have a gun. What'll you have? What'll I have? Only a prayer. And what I know about Mr. Van Cleek. All right, Gaines. Director Van Cleek will see you now. Gaines, I want you to sign this now. It's a declaration of your recognition of the Engineers Control Committee. You've got one minute to sign it, Gaines, or I'll... I'll push this button and blow up the whole sector. You'd better sign, Gaines. You need this gorilla with the gun, Van? Why, you... Can't you handle one unarmed man alone? All right, Harry, out. Out, out. out. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll sign. <laughs> What's so funny? You are. You are, man. You start a revolution because you think the engineers should control the road. Then when you've got control, the only thing you can think of to do is to blow it up. That's kind of silly, isn't it? All right, Tell me what you're so scared. I'm not scared. Yeah, sitting there sweating all over that push button that you're holding. 
your buddies knew how afraid you were, they'd probably throw you into the rotor. I'm not afraid. <laughs> You're afraid of me right now, Van. You're afraid I'll have you on the carpet. Got one minute time. You're afraid the cadets won't salute you. You're afraid that they're laughing at you behind your back. No, 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 I'm not. You keep quiet now. I've got a gun yeah, here. Yeah, you're afraid of using the wrong fork at dinner. You're afraid people are looking at you, Van, laughing at you. I am not. I am not. Yeah, you dirty stuck-up snob. <laughs> Just because you went to a high-hat school, do you think you're better than everybody, huh? You and your crummy little gold-braid cadets. Van, you're a pathetic little shrimp. I understand you perfectly, Van. You're a third-rater. All your life, you've been afraid that someone would send you to the foot of the class, so you write out on your ear where you belong. I don't want to look at you anymore. Yo, I'll show you. I'll put a bullet in you. Put down that pop gun before you hurt yourself. Don't you come near me now. Don't you come near me. I'll shoot. I'll shoot now. Give me I'll... that, Van. No, let me go, will you? Give me that pistol. I thought if I wounded your little ego, you'd forget to push that button and pull a trigger instead. I'm afraid you'll never make a good executive, Van. They have to know when to punch buttons. Gaines here. Chief, are you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. I am. Tack now, Davidson, mop up. I'll hold the control room. I've, I've got Van Cleek. I think his little revolution is just about over. Mr. Gaines. Oh, Mr. Evans, I forgot about you. I've been waiting at the sector office. Yes. Is everything under control? Yes, all's rolling. Those are the watch engineers going under to check Sacramento's sector inch by inch now. Remarkable organization. Remarkable. Thank you. Harley's in chief. San Diego Circle rolling. Bakersfield, Fresno, Stockton. Stockton. Stockton, oh. Oh, no. What's the matter, Chief? Trouble, Mr. Gaines? There sure is. I promised to meet my wife at Stockton for a show. She's been waiting there since 9 o'clock last night. Oh, dear me. Dave, uh, Dave, see if you can get her for me. Try the sector office. All right, Chief. And, and Dave, uh, see if you can calm her down. Huh? Oh, sure, Chief. Sure, right. Uh, I'll tell her the roads must roll. No. No, don't tell her that. I, I don't think she'd appreciate that. She's heard it too often. Well, I better get going. Bye, Dave. Keep them rolling. You have just heard another adventure into the unknown world of the future, the world of... Dimension X. Tonight's adventures in Dimension X. The Roads Must Roll was written by Robert Heinlein and adapted for radio by Ernest Canoy. Featured in the cast were Wendell Holmes as Gaines and Ralph Bell as Van Cleek. Your host was Norman Rose. Music by Albert Berman. Engineer Bill Chambers. Dimension X is produced by Van Woodward... Directed by Edward King. That is Dimension X from September 1st, 1950. The roads must roll. And that was heard on NBC. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. 
back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Every time I hear that, I think to myself, Bill Curtis said my name. Yeah, he says it a lot, too. Yeah, Every well, Saturday and Sunday, <laughs> every hour. Yeah. It's a lot of Carl. It's a recording. Oh, it's Memorex. Darn. Yeah. <laughs> Remember those commercials? Is it live? Is it live or, or is, is it Memorex? And that would explode? And the glass breaks, Oh, right. It? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> is it live? So like many... the glass breaks, whether it's live or Memorex. What was Memorex? your favorite commercial back then? You know, back in the 19, let's say, 70s. What was your favorite... I think a lot of people would say Mikey, the Mikey commercial. He likes it. He He likes it. He likes it. Hey, Mikey. Uh, I have to think about that. Yeah. I don't. Text us in, folks. What was your favorite commercial from the 70s? Let's let's pick a time frame, like 1969 <laughs> through 75. Well, not everybody knows exactly when they ran. Also, some commercials <laughs> ran a long time, like Tony the Tiger. They're great. They're great. You know, that, yeah. that's, that's fantastic. Let's just say the 70s. Okay. What was your favorite commercial? Text us in. I'd love to know what our listeners think. 312-981-7200 is our text in line. All right. In this hour, it is X minus one, The Green Hills of Earth, starring Bill Lipton. I wonder if he was related to the Lipton Soup people. Or tea. Yeah, could be. <laughs> from from July 7th, 1955. But first, we're going to play our game. Is it real or is it ridiculous? I've gotten only one wrong tonight. Well, one wrong is still wrong. That's true. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about Jacqueline Smith. Oh, Oh, Jacqueline Smith, is that, Charlie's is that Angels. An ooh or an oh. She was great. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're going to be giving away general admission for two adults and two children to Sycamore Speedway. Yep, I'm not going to do it. Okay, I'm thank you. S- I was waiting for you. I'm not going to say it. Okay, don't do it. Don't do it. So we're going to go say it. call now. We're going to go with caller number three three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred, and we Sycamore Speedway. Be- oh my gosh! Right back. Sycamore Speedway. Come on, baby. We have Karen on the phone. Hi, Karen. Hi, Karen. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Terrific. Glad you made it through. And um, you remember Jacqueline Smith, right? Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. Number one, she appeared as the Prowl Girl in the early 1970s. We were just talking about early television commercials. Huh. Is that real or ridiculous? Mm. Prowl for Prowl Shampoo. Uh, I'll say say real. Man, I don't know about that. Why do I think it was Farrah Fawcett that did the Prowl? All right. I'll say real. It's ridiculous. Oh, who was it? <laughs> she was the Breck girl. Oh, Breck! I just yeah. made up Prowl. That's right. It was. <laughs> it was. It was Breck. Yes, it was. Thank you. My theme wah, song. Wah. Number two, she created her own line of clothing for Kmart beginning in 1985. Real? 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 Yes, real. That is real. That is true. Okay, you guys are in, in, in sync here. Number three, she played Kelly Garrett for the entire five-year run of Charlie's Angels. Real or ridiculous? Ridiculous. No, she did. Real. She did. That is yeah. absolutely true. She's actually the only angel That's right. to do so. And this one's for you, unfortunately. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Karen. You know what, though, Karen? You're the winner here because you have won general admission for two adults and two children to... Sycamore 
Speedway. There you go. Family owned since 1963. You can plan your visit now at... I'm like a trained animal. At you know? Sycamore Speedway. Sycamore Speedway. Dot com. Uh. <laughs> Thank you so much, Karen. Appreciate the call. You got to give me a treat, though, when you do that. Come I, on, Carl. I'll throw do something yeah, over. throw... <laughs> so, general admission for two adults and two children. Where? Sycamore Speedway. All right. We're good. <laughs> Hope you have a great time, Karen. Thanks, Karen. All right. Uh, Karen's a big... I think she <laughs> she's got tired of listening to me saying... <laughs> no, Ben's Sycamore talking to her. Speedway. <laughs> He's distracting uh, her. <laughs> all right. Well, you know what we have now, Lisa Wolf? I sure do, Carl. Oh, we, we're getting nice texts in. People for, uh, that uh, are texting in saying what their favorite... TV commercial um, was. We got light bright commercial, people oh, remember. Yeah, light, oh yeah. Remember um, remember light Operation? Yeah. That commercial? I don't remember the commercial, but I remember oh, the, yeah. the game. Sure. What was the commercial? It was a cool commercial and it was like But you don't remember <laughs> it? <laughs> well that's what it does. We have a few people that mentioned um Alcatel, sir. That oh, yeah. seems plop, to be the plop, mo- fizz, fizz fizz. Oh what, what a relief, relief it is. is. All right, uh, so text us in, 312-981-7200. We want to read uh, oh, your the, favorite You know uh, what? TV one more I want to mention, somebody's mm. favorite. The, this was funny, the Noralco one with Santa riding the shaver and always indicated the Christmas season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was cute. I remember as a kid, I couldn't wait for Christmas, and there was presents under the trees. Did you, did you like, peek and, like, try to peel the wrapping paper uh, we didn't have a tree Carl, so <laughs> that's right sorry that. <laughs> i forgot Lisa. <laughs> I but forgot. if i had sorry. presents i would have peaked. would you have tried to peek of course did you go looking for your hanukkah presents i still go looking for my, my <laughs> birthday presents you look around They're the house always yeah. yeah i can't wait always we've got where's the beef yeah where's the and beef? we have oscar meyer yeah. And McDonald's with the hamburger. There's a lot of great stuff here. So thank oh, you so yeah. much. Yeah, keep it coming. All right, time now for X minus one. As I mentioned earlier, Dimension X that started in 1950 then evolved into this 1955 series, which ran until 1958. There were like way more episodes of X minus one because Dimension X only lasted one year and, and X minus one lasted three years. So I'm guessing around three times as many, huh? That would make sense. Was that? I like that. That math. That was quick. Wow. Very quick thinking. Um, This is uh, Bill Lipton stars in this, and it's called The Green Hills of Earth from July 7th, 1955. Here's part one of X minus one. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of astounding science fiction, presents... X minus one... Tonight's story, The Green Hills of Earth. 
who pioneer the trade routes of the world, the sailors of the clipper ships, the whaling men, railroaders, black gangs on the tramp steamers, all have their own stories and song about dangers and struggles of their lives. This is the story of Riesling, the blind singer of the spaceways. When I first met him, he was hustling drinks in the Twin Moons Bar at Dry Waters Mars. He'd won a guitar off a Chinese barkeep at Luna City by uh, cheating at one thumb. And he made his whiskey by singing in the bar and passing the hat. Hey, listen to her, Hertzman. Don't you sing pretty? Like a 16-year-old gal. <laughs> hey, uh, Riesling, look over there at the bar. There's an Institute for Striper giving you the idea, you know? Manner of speaking. Cold-looking scoundrel, ain't he? Mm. Gives the idea he graduated Harriman Space Institute, three men above St. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Who is he? Captain Hicks off the ghost show. Yeah, well, he sure gives you the once-over. Maybe he's got a job. That don't make never no mind to me. I've been blacklisted. Hicks logged me for making up a song on watch. Right by song, too. Oh, the skipper is a father to his crew. Ah, yeah, well, well, hold on. Here comes old grass on. Oh, uh, Riesling, I've been looking for you. You've kept your nose clean, and we're going to give you another chance to get back to deep space. Been a little changing down there from the Gorshawk, ain't you, Skipper? How'd you know that? Well, you got that new atomic pile drive. If there's been a leak at the shops, oh, I... Now take it easy, Skip. You'll have that gold braid just crawling right up your arm. Quit stalling, Riesling. Take it or leave it. It's a loop trip to Jupiter with the standard release. <laughs> I reckon. Double pay when you get back, if you get back. Last three of them atomic tea kettles blew somewhere in the asteroids. If you're scared... Scared? Well, that goshawk is one stinking old tub. Her engine's got more bugs than a beagle dog in spring. And that new drive's about as safe as a pretty gal in the Ozarks. But I reckon she'll do for one more trip. Welcome home, Riesling. Hi, Jimmy Lake. Meet my friend Hertzman. He can't hold his liquor no more to sieve for, boy. Riesling, you sober enough to sign the book? Drunk or sober, I make my mark. Stand aside. Three axes? Took me a middle name. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. You two lay below. And Hertzman, yeah? get him sobered up before the skipper makes rounds. Cargo stowed, Captain. Fuel lines away and ready. Uh, good, Casey. Well, what's that? What it? Oh, that's a guitar, I guess. If it's that shoeless hillbilly, I'm going to tell him. Hi, Skipper. Riesling, what the devil are you doing up here? That number two jet ain't fit. Cadmium dampers are warped. Crooked like a turtle's back. Well, why tell me? Tell the chief engineer. I did. He says they'll hold. Well? He's wrong. Oh, he's wrong, eh? He's got a Harriman Institute degree in electronics and power. And some drunk space rat says he's wrong. Skipper, I was damping jets when that shirt-tailed tad wore pins for buttons. I got no time for you, Riesling. Scratch your name off the book no, and No, 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 don't get excited. Well, are you shipping or not? I reckon, I reckon. Then get below. That's all. Casey, sound take off. Aye, sir. class clunker in those days, damping was done by hand with a multiplying vernier and a danger peeper. Jetman slept with one ear tuned to that, and as long as a 
beeper ticked off slow and steady. He knew the ship was safe. Uh, for a while. Stole that guitar. If Jimmy Legs catches you, you'll blow a gasket. Don't worry, I could damp this tea kettle in my sleep. How's number two? All right, so far. Say, did you ever hear that song about Hicks? The one that got me blacklisted? No. Oh, the skipper is the father of his crew. A gentle guide and light to me and you. <laughs> but on Mars, he likes his women if they walk or if they're swimming. Or if they got six arms instead of two. <laughs> Second verse is better. Yeah. <laughs> the skipper likes his liquor by the court. Yeah, he'd go from Mars to Venus for a snort. He'll drink rocket fuel and... <laughs> well, hi, skipper. Didn't see you come in. Uh, you were uh, too busy, eh? Who's watching the gate? I got an eye on it. Don't you fret none. Reasonably, I'm going to fix it so you couldn't get a space berth on a rocket-powered pogo stick. You're locked. Report to Casey under arrest. I don't rightly think I will, Skipper. You what? Well, you kind of forget, Skipper. According to space code, you can't remove a jet man till the end of the war. Right? You tell me I... I... Riesling, your ship is over at 2300. And I'll see you ride the rest of the way in slop locker. Maybe, maybe. In the meantime, you clear out of my power room. I'm going to make me up a third verse from a song. <laughs> Yeah, I got it. Power room. Damp number two, a point. Number two, I... Hold on, Hurt. Jimmy Legs, is that four-stripe boil up there? Give me that, Casey. Riesling, I've taken about enough from you. And I got a little news for you, Skipper. Number two jet is bulging like a fat lady in a satin skirt. Listen, you clown. Damp number two, a point. Why, sure. Look out, Hertzman. I'll take it. You watch the gauge. Now. Riding easy here. It's bucking a little. What? What? Riesling. Well, I just hit the emergency. All right. She, she won't damp. It's that warp. Yeah. Let go the lights. Duck her. Duck. Ah. Riesling. Ah. Riesling. Stay down behind the baffle. I've got to take a look. It's radioactive. Look out. I've got to fish the hot stuff out of the tube. What's going on? Shut up, Jimmy Lane. I'm busy. <sighs> She's tight now. What happened? Number two blew your lunk-headed space rat. You all right? Oh, a little sunburn. Lights are gone. What's the matter with the emergency uh, circuits? Riesling. I... Jimmy Legs, get some lights down here. It's dark. Get the emergency yeah, light but, on. But they're on, Riesling. Uh, but... They went on right after the blast. The lights are on. What are you talking about? Dark. Jimmy Legs. Jimmy Legs, turn on the lights. Turn on the lights. That blue, radioactive glow from the jets was the last thing Riesling ever saw. His optic nerve was burned out in an instant. He was in sick bay on the rest of the trip, and on the swing back, we set Riesling down at dry water. I ran into Riesling about two months later playing his guitar on a jetty that ran out into the canal. He had a dirty rag tied over his eyes with a jetman's knot, and his hat was on the wharf beside him. When he finished, uh, we walked out along the canal. Yeah, I'm doing right fine. Working saloons mostly. But I've been thinking some funny songs, Hurts. The words come out different than they used to. Come on along the canal with me. Sure. Here, take my arm. <laughs> I know the way. 
That's another funny thing, Hurston. I figure I know it better than other folks. Look back there. Towards the city. What do you see? New factory buildings? You can smell them from here. I still remember them old Martian towers. Old before Bible times on Earth. Thin and graceful like the... Like the fairy palaces my old grandma used to tell about down home in the hills. Yeah, they tore them down now. Or else blocked them up with cinder blocks. Hertzman, when I stand out here in the canal, I, I can see it the way it used to be. The water, ice blue, the stars shining up out of it. The way off there, the city with the towers sweeping up like a, like a bird flying off a tree. I can see it. Hmm. Now it's the dirtiest stink hole in the system. Not to me. Listen, Hertzman. Bone tie the race that raised the towers. Forgotten are their lords. Long gone the gods who shed the tears that lap these crystal shores. Slow beats the time-worn heart of Mars beneath this icy sky. The thin air whispers voicelessly that all who live must die. I can't figure it myself. I never put words together like that before. I reckon it's just I, I got time now to study the words and shine them up in my head till they sing true. Why don't you go home, Riesling? Home? Hurry. I've been thinking about that, Hertzman. When I was a young and down in the Ozarks, I used to climb a big old oak tree my daddy had in the dooryard. You could see the hills for miles, green and cool. I've been thinking about that. Well, why don't you go back then? Someday. Someday, Hertzman. But I, I couldn't face those hills now. I couldn't stand to see black when I knew they was lying all around me, cool and green in the sun. I... Couldn't stand that. Yeah. Well, let's get back to town, Hertzman. I, I made three and a half dollars marching today. Now I'm all set to drink it down before dawn. Come on. All right, that's the first portion of X minus one with the Green Hills of Earth from July 7th, 1955, starring Bill Lipton. We'll get back to that in just a moment. First, these words. Now available on WGN Plus, the latest business news from Crane's Chicago Business. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist, the daily business headlines, plus interviews with business leaders and reporters. Your daily download, Monday through Thursday, hosted on WGN Plus. We're at the Woodman's, and we'd love to work with you. We're 100% employee-owned. We share all the profits with our employees. We have top dollar wages, great benefits, unbelievable retirement. Last year, we paid our employees $8.5 million in dividends and $3.2 million in bonuses. Come work with us. Be an owner. Better, better wages, wages, better benefits, better, benefits, better retirement, because we're employee-owned. It's 
WGN Radio conducts a variety of contests throughout the year. What? Contests avoid were prohibited by law. Prices are non-transferable and can't be exchanged for cash. No. Winners are responsible for all taxes associated with prizes. WGN Radio may publicize or broadcast winner names or voices. Yeah. Yeah. Winners are ineligible to win within two years of receiving prizes over $600 and 60 days for prizes valued less than $600. I understand. Employees and their families of WGN Radio, Tribune Company, and participating sponsors are disqualified. What? Go to WGNRadio.com slash contest for complete disclaimers. Okay. Summer is here, and Matt's got the barbecue out all ready to grill. That's why he trusts Super Polygrip, so he can enjoy his steak with full confidence. Polygrip. Sounds like there's a party going on. But something's missing. The birthday gals arrived. And thanks to Paula Dent, her bright smile is anything but a surprise. Holly Dent. It's important to think about your brain health as you get older. If you're experiencing a lack of sharpness or mild problems with recall, Prevagen can help. In a clinical trial, a subgroup of adults with mild, age-related cognitive impairment taking only one Prevagen a day were shown to improve in measures related to memory. Keep your brain top of mind. Prevagen. Healthier brain, better life. Statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Roger, Lisa has to take three times as much Prevagen because she has three brains. She's, uh, you know, she's, that's how she has three master's degrees. Is that? Oh, that's why she's got all three. Do you have three master's degrees or two? <laughs> two? I think you need some Prevagen, Carl. <laughs> you have two master's degrees. I have two. That's, that's still two more than I have. Yeah. Well, she's got a degree. You got... Well, I have a degree. Blank I just paper. don't have a master's degree. You have blank paper. Roger, do you know when Carl was in college, he studied Wait, he went to, to be college? an astronaut? Wait yeah. a minute. Did you know that, yeah, Roger? I, I, no, I did not know that uh, yeah. when Carl went to college, he studied to be an astronaut. He did. He took up space. <laughs> <laughs> now we're doing his jokes? Uh-huh. That's so You're bad. stealing I my know. jokes. I not s- stealing them. Not paying oh. a royalty or anything. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> Back to WGN Radio Theater with Carol Amari and Lisa Wolf. We're going on a cruise, Lisa. Yes, I am. Are you? Yes, I am going uh, August 1st next year, 2020. August 1st, 2020. Where are you Seven going, nights. Carl? We're going to Bermuda. We are. Out of New York. And it's also going, well, it's going to two islands St. George and Hamilton. Huh? Yes. Mm. On Insignia, which is an Oceana cruise line, and they're known for their great food and great service and great destinations, and we're going to have a lot of fun. It's a classic radio cruise. We're going to do some reenactments. We're going to have a trivia contest. We're going to have a cocktail party. We're going to eat with uh, you guys and have fun and swim and Go on excursions. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, you said it all. I can't wait. We're both going to be there. Um, so if you would like to join us, we would love to have you. Yeah. You can call our travel agency that we're working with. And I should mention, we got a great rate for this cruise. We have a whole group rate and we have set aside a group of rooms. So if you can reserve your room while we have this rate, that would be ideal. Um, it's through Keen Lug. Luxury Travel, that's K-E-E-N-E. Their phone number is 800 
800-856-1155. Or you can go to our website, WGN Radio Theater. Slow down. Scroll down. <laughs> WGNRadioTheater.com. Yeah. Dot com. Yeah. And you scroll down and you'll see a banner for the cruise and you'll click on it and you can read about it that way just as well. Yeah. Uh, make sure you're with us, folks. Uh, book your uh, vacation for next year. Book it early. Book it yeah, for book August. Book it now so you know be you'll be 80s there. 80s in uh, Bermuda. Yep. And uh, we are going to be, I'm not bringing a Speedo, though. Oh, I'm darn. not going to bring a Speedo. Then I'm not coming. Just going to bring a regular bathing suit. Are you going to wear it? I will wear it. Okay. Yes. I will, gonna too. I'm going to go swimming. I want a suntan. I'm going to drink a pina colada All at right. the pool. I'm with you. I'm going to be in the casino. I'm going to be there, so, too. So, folks, if you're looking for me, check the casino. <laughs> okay. That's where I'll probably be. Be losing a little money at Blackjack? Yeah, but I mean... Based on our conversations, I'm pretty sure you're going to lose. <laughs> Lisa thinks she's... Uh, a blackjack expert. And I'll bet you're very good at it. I am pretty darn good at it. So, I've had a lot of experience in I'll tell you what. That I'll tell you what. I'll um I'll sponsor you. What does I'll that give mean? you like five hundred dollars and then we'll split the profit. How's that? Well, no, because if I win, I don't want to split it with you. Is <laughs> <laughs> that how it works? Yeah, oh, that's how it okay. works. But well, we'll hang out at the pool. We'll have some fun. Check it out. Keen Luxury Travel, 800-856-1155. Give them a call. Check it out. Sign up. Come with us yeah. on our classic radio it's cruise on Oceania. a lot of fun. All right. It's time now for the conclusion to X minus one. I lost track of reasoning after that. I shipped out in a slow freight to the conduct class for Luna. And he hits the hike to, to Venusburg and an ore ship and a, in the triplanet run. And so he beat around the system. Venusburg, Layport to dry water to New Shanghai and back. Any spaceport was his home and no skipper refused to lift the extra mass of Riesling and his guitar. He made up his song, sitting out watches down in the power rooms with old shipmates, while the monotonous beat of the jets shook the whole place. Hear the jets, hear the jets, hear them snarl at your back when you stretched on the rack. Hear the jets, feel the pain in your ship, feel a strain in your grip. Hear the jets, feel her rise, feel her drive, strain and steel come alive on her jets, on her Little by little, his songs began to travel along with spaceways ahead of him. Raw, spaceman songs. A different kind of song. Strange, sad songs, like the ones you find printed in the Centennial Editions. Well, there's one called Dark Star Passing and death song of a weed cold, and then finally, the green hills of earth. It grew for 20 years, that song. They say it started way back when Riesling was down in the labor camps in Venus, singing for the indentured men. When Riesler, well, when he hit Venus, he'd always head out to the backwoods to sing for him. First, if someone will kindly pass a bottle. Oh, it ain't much, Riesling. Here, it'll do. <coughs> Oh, what is that stuff? <laughs> Tequila. Hmm. Well, you can't make them good here on Venus. Yeah, what do you use? Karak bush. Home it is. Home it is different. How'd you come to sign on? When a man comes out the village from the city, he says there's work. You sign the paper and you work. Work? It's work, all right. 
Ten stinking hours in the jungle with machete. How long you signed for? Well, then I only speak Spanish. I... I don't know. The paper says ten years. Ten years? How long you got to go? What's the use? We ain't getting home. You know how many men die out there in the swamp today? Ten men. Ten. What's the use? My mother, she's dead. My father don't care. Girl? Oh, she says she's waits. I, I don't know. You, you sing some more, Riesling. We drink and you sing, huh? <laughs> Maybe a new song, son. We ride in the molds of Venus. We retch out a tainted breath. See? Foul our flooded jungles, crawling with unclean death. We've tried each spinning space moat. And reckoned it's true word. Take us back to the homes of men and the cool green hills of earth. Take us back. What's the matter? Finish the song, Riesling. I can't. I can't yet. It just don't come. I'll finish it uh, when I go home. That's it. When I go home to the hills. Now pass that bottle. A dawn whistle don't blow for four hours. That's where the green hills started. And I was there when it was finished. It was 20 years after that. Yeah, there wasn't a man flying or on the beach that hadn't heard of Riesling in his songs. He was getting old now for a spaceman. He was a familiar figure through the system. Tall, gaunt, with that dirty bandage tied across his blind eyes. I was a chief jetman then on the old Falcon. We were cradled at Venus, Ellis Isle, scheduled for a direct jump to Great Lakes, Illinois, on Earth. I was checking in down age when Riesling felt his way up the gangway and came through the lock. Hey, Riesling. Who's that? Mike Hertzman. Hertzman. What are you doing in this old hog boat? Well, I figured I'd ride it back to Earth. Earth? You're going home, Riesling? I thought you were never going to make that run. What changed your mind? Oh, I've been hankering to set foot in the Ozarks again. Yeah, how about those hills? I've been singing about them so long now, Hertzman. i I got to finish the song. i I got to set foot in the dooryard and... Hear the wind for that oak tree. <laughs> That's the last thing I'll be doing. I, I, I gotta get home before. Uh, uh, look, Riesling. There's a new company policy in effect now. No more deadhead rides and new code books in force. Oh, that don't bother me none. I, I'm riding her back to Earth. I'm gonna finish my song. It's, it's got to be there. Yeah, but the skipper's one of them youngsters fresh out of Harriman Institute cadet training. He'll throw the book at you. At me? I've been around space as long as Haley's Common, Bruce's Ridge. I, I'm going back to Earth. Ooh, green hills of Earth. I'm, I'm going home. All secured, Hertzman? Yes, sir. What are you doing here? Uh, this is uh, Riesling, Captain. Riesling, huh? I'm uh, dragging it back to Earth, Captain. Not in this ship. Shake a leg and get out of here. 
Oh, now, Captain, you wouldn't begrudge an old man a trip home. I can't do it. Space precautionary code clause six. Now, come on, clear out. Well, now, look, look Skipper, you, you can slide me by under the distressed spaceman's coals in that code book. Distressed spaceman, my eye. You've been bumming around the system for 30 years. Oh, Skipper, <laughs> you, you're making me do something I've never done to no one before. I'm an old man. An old blind man. I, I want to go home. I never crawled in front of a forest drop in my life, but you gotta let me drag home. The law says a man's got a trip coming to him, and you, you can stretch for a poor old blind man. No, 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 can't you? You, you got to, Skipper. All right, you old space rat, but keep out of the way. I run an efficient ship, and I don't want any trouble. Oh, no, no, sir, no trouble. I'll just lay down to the power room. I'd kind of like to be near the jets when they blast off for Earth. Say hello to you. Hey, thanks, Mac. Power room, fire three. Aye, sir. Now, have you seen these new automatic tampers recently? Don't have to do nothing, just sit and watch. Yeah, where's the peeper? Turned off. It's all automatic. Uh, you youngsters have it solved. When I was twisting her tail, you had to stay awake. <laughs> you got the old hand damping plates on? All but the links. I unship them. They they cover up the dials. You might need them. Oh, the automatics handle everything. Well, you're finally going home, Riesling, huh? Won't seem the same out past the moon. Yeah, I've been waiting for this a long time, Mac. It's going to be good to get home, I reckon. The Argent sky is calling spacemen back to their train. <laughs> Emergency! Uh, 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 I'm spilling jet free. Is this McDougal? McDougal's dead. This is Riesling on water. Riesling! Get out of there. You'll kill yourself. Don't worry, Skipper. I know this power room like the inside of my shirt. Somebody's got the damper. Riesling, I'm sending in the crew. No use. The whole room will be hot for an hour and the other jets won't hold. Oh, Skipper. Skipper, throw on a recording tape. What? Throw on a recording tape. I, I got a song to finish. And I, I got to make it right now. Yeah. I can hear it. Riesling, the radiation will burn you down. She's clear now, Skipper. She'll burn out clean. Riesling! Riesling, are you all right? I reckon. Pretty sharp sunburn. You'll pick me out of here with tongs and bury me in a lead shield coffin. Radiation's getting bright. I, I can almost see it. Bright. Rosy like the sun. Like the sun over the hills down home. We pray for one last landing on the globe that 
gave us birth. Let us rest our eyes on the fleecy skies of the cool green green hills of Earth. That's the way he died. Riesling, the blind singer of the spaceways, singing of the home he never reached, the cool green hills of Earth. You have just heard X-1, transcribed by the National Broadcasting Company in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of astounding science fiction. Tonight's story, The Green Hills of Earth, written by Robert Heinlein and adapted for radio by Ernest Canoy. Featured in the cast were Ken Williams as Riesling, Nelson Almstead as Hertzman, Matt Crowley as Hicks, Wendell Holmes as Casey, Bill Griffiths as Rodriguez, Bill Lipton as The Skipper, and William Zuckert as McDougall. Original music for Riesling songs was written and sung by Tom Glazer. Your announcer, Fred Collins. X-1 was directed by Fred Way and is an NBC Radio Network production. And now, next week... The strange story of Dr. Grimshaw's sanitarium and of a patient there who suddenly found himself involved in a game of cat and mouse. But the man had actually been reduced to the size of a mouse while the cat remained full size. What happened then? You'll learn next week. Convicts tell their true stories on The Loser tonight over most NBC radio stations. That's a great idea for a radio show. What? Have convicts on the show. And talk. Oh, yeah. You should invite yeah. them here to the studio. Yeah, invite them over. Hey, you know. Right to the studio. Let's talk we... about your life and why are you a convict. And we can have dinner with them first. That'd that be would fun. Be, yeah, let's have dinner. Then come back to your house afterwards <laughs> to take a little, yeah, little snooze. They could stay over. <laughs> what was that? Was that a hiccup? It was. <laughs> Lisa hiccuped. Uh, that's a great idea for, for a show. It's it a great. We, it, it could be called. Um, Convict's Corner or something like that. That's a great name, Carl. It's a great idea. Really, I mean, it just really came really off good. the top of my head. I, I, could, I could tell that. I think about it a little more. It's pretty smooth. All right. Let's take a quick break. <laughs> well, by the way, that was X-1 from July 7th, 1955, The Green Hills of Earth. I hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater.